Hello there and Happy New Year. Welcome to episode 2 of Mozcast. A massive, massive thank you to anyone that has downloaded the first episode. Um, it's been more than I ever could have hoped or imagined and I really do appreciate every single download. So, here we are at the start of the year. Anyone that didn't listen to episode 1, uh, the Headmaster's Ritual is the name of the podcast. So, the ritual part is where we break down each episode. The R stands for Roundup, a roundup of the latest news. I will stand for Interview. T is for my top 10 Smiths or Morrissey songs in reverse order. U is for understanding, uh, understanding giving us a bit of perspective, looking at some of the more controversial quotes that have been linked with Morrissey. A in this episode is for Australia, where Morrissey has just finished his year. And L is for lastly, where I'm going to give out some new details um, for ways to get in touch with me here at Mozcast. I would also like to put a mention out straight away to some very nice Morrissey fans um, on Morrissey Solo. Manda B, Gordy Boy, uh, Dagenham Dan, all who helped me understand the minefield as the message boards. Uh, going Home, I mentioned to Going Home as well, who also sent me really, really helpful, a whole bunch of links to different things um, online. So that has really, really... It's been incredibly helpful, so I, I really, really appreciate that. Okay, so uh, December, <laughs> December first uh, started in in Australia with um, a cancelled Morrissey concert. Wow, uh, yeah. So Perth, Perth was one of the cancelled shows from the Australian tour there. Um, but after that, he did go on to Melbourne. Um, of course, on to Brisbane. He, I think he went to Sydney as well. Um, right up until sort of like mid-December. Um, one of the New Zealand dates was cancelled after that as well. I think the Auckland uh, date was cancelled um, around about that time. But yeah, so a very, a very, very uh, busy December for him. Up to December the 21st, where uh, There Is A Light That Never Goes Out reached 500 million plays um, on Spotify. It got to that amount of streams. And then, of course, the very next day was the 35th anniversary of the Wolverhampton gig. Morrissey's first ever um, solo gig. Um, minus the Smiths, but we covered that in episode one. Minus Johnny Marr. Um, really, and up to about December the 29th where uh, sort of the Fiona Dodwell uh, she released a well it was an interesting read, uh, Truth Tellers Silenced a lot of, I saw a lot of negative um, comments about that but I, I enjoyed reading it as well and, and a lot of the band photos uh, by Ryan Lowry, the stuff about New York around about the city and stuff like that and also some of the uh, some of the um, tour pictures as well, fab, absolutely fantastic pictures. Um, there seems to be a, a difference in, in the quality of, of the tour pictures um, this time from, from that tour, so I really enjoyed looking at that. So yeah, it's been a busy December and 
here we go for 2024. Okay, so even though it is Mozcast, um, Johnny Marr has come up a fair bit in uh, December in some of Morrissey's news there. And basically, when Morrissey was playing in Brisbane, <coughs> on the same night, um, Johnny Marr was in Great Britain. He was playing uh, Smith songs with, uh, with an orchestra. Um, I think he played two nights. I think he played the 7th and the 8th um, of December. And I'm going to play a little excerpt of the, basically, particularly the start of it, because the song that I'm going to play you is uh, a song that was referenced again in episode one from my um, friend and I, uh, the interview. We were talking about this particular song being played. Please, please, please let me get what I want and, and the significance of that song um, for, for loads of Smiths fans is just, it's an unbelievable piece of music. And when you put the orchestra there, Johnny just has the acoustic, well, the orchestra start off, you'll hear it. Um, the orchestra start off, then Johnny comes in on the acoustic. Johnny obviously takes up the vocals for it as well. And I just thought it was absolutely sublime. So here it, here it is. Okay, so there you have it. That sounded absolutely unbelievable. 
I think that was a, a bit of a triumph, Johnny's Night, with the, the orchestra, because I have watched some of the other videos. Uh, they're definitely worth a watch. That was a YouTube clip um, by a YouTuber uh, called Ian Smith, who I have subscribed to and asked permission for uh, the use of his clip. I really hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did. Um, go and check it out if you're looking for something to listen to. I for interview. I thought long and hard about this interview segment for episode two because I didn't have a face-to-face interview to play you like there was in episode one. I did have it in my head at the start um, way back when I was researching for, for the start of the podcast that this interview is something that jumped out as a Morrissey fan, as he just was completely out of his time in the 80s um, and just just stood out as, as being different, but different in a very good way. So the interview that I'm going to play, I'm going to play you a clip from it, actually. And I'll bet you most Morrissey fans out there, I'll bet you most of you know, um, when I start describing this, I'll bet you most of you have seen it or have or, or, went to YouTube and looked it up. It's the 1985 interview, um, I think it's like a Pop Pickers TV show. There is a TV host, but the three guests are Morrissey in the middle, uh, Tony Blackburn to Morrissey's left, and George Michael is on Morrissey's right. So, of course, two um, brilliant British talents there, and, and Tony Blackburn. Uh, so yeah, so the, the the thing they are talking about is um, Joy Division, and I think it's at, at, at Joy Division's third or fourth album that they're, they're discussing. Um, and it just stood out to me as something that is like Morrissey was just way ahead of his time, way out of his time. Um, the opinions, the things that the, the, the his insightfulness when it comes to discussing this album is just far beyond anything that George or Tony can come up with. What Tony does come up with about about the Joy Division album is that he doesn't like it. Mm. Good input, Tony. Um, yeah, because he prefers soul music, right? So what is he even doing there? George is a wee bit better. Um, he's He's been a Joy Division fan. You know, he's like, oh, well, you know, the second side of this album was great, but um, he doesn't really, there's, there's nothing really there. Whereas um, it comes to Morrissey, you'll hear exactly what he says. It's just, you're like, wow, afterwards you're kind of picking it apart in your head. He just, he said so much in such a short space of time about it so many different opinions, and it's opinions that you really need to think of. You really need a wee bit of time to go, what is he meaning? And of course, when you're thinking that, he's away talking on to the next thing. 
he has got the personal experience. He's got the Manchester connection. He knows Joy Division. He has been to see them by accident, as he says. Uh, that's the quote from the interview, because I don't think he really wanted to be seen as someone that would go to see Joy Division on purpose. And at that point in the 80s, um, they were an absolutely huge, huge band. Um, and I think it was 85, so Ian Curtis was had already committed suicide and there was um, the legacy that had been left that way. But no, I'm going to play the clip um, really just because it stood out to me as something that Morrissey, he just, he just was like, wow. His opinions on it just blew the other people out of the water that were on the the, the, the panel. And I really did enjoy watching this. So here we go. And explain the extraordinary appeal of Joy Division and now New Order. Speaking as a fellow Mancunian. Mm, I don't know whether I could explain it. Um, I mean, they're treated quite unlike any other band in Britain. Yes, really, they aren't are. They? I think um, I think most people I think most people's vision of Joy Division is entirely coloured by the death of Ian Curtis, and it's always really the, the really only factor that that um, people seem to discuss. Um, Joy Division were one group that, that I, I really didn't take to that much. Did you used to go and see them in Manchester? I saw them a few times by accident. And, <laughs> but I, I, I can now completely appreciate their appeal. But I look upon Ian Curtis and, and certainly New Order uh, as neither singers or, or lyricists, but uh, as symbolists. I think they were quite accurate uh, and they, um, they, they had the spirit of, of the times. And, but I think it was totally false. It was like people saying, well, yes, this is how life is totally without emotion, which of course they weren't, and we are totally hard people, which of course they weren't. It was like this complete affectation uh, of people wanting to be something that they weren't. I find it quite sad, but in a musical sense I hear nothing whatsoever. But um, What about the book then, and does that the sum book, up what people you saw in stage in Manchester? Um, the book confused me. When it was straightforward, written in a, almost a, a diary fashion, I, I found it quite interesting. What about but all those quotes from yeah, Ruth when lectures and all um, sort of strange stuff? Ostentatious, it was very, very boring. But um, ultimately, I, I would support, at the end of the day, I would support New Order and uh, Joy Division. But um, with some confusion, I'll admit. T. T is for my top 10 Smiths or Morrissey songs ever. So in episode 1, um, we covered the song Cemetery Gates. That was number 10. Number 9 is the song Why Don't You Find Out For Yourself from Vauxhall and I. Now, um, yeah, there's very there's, the reason I picked that song um, for number 9, I've... Uh, there's so many, it was very, very, very difficult as a Smiths and Morrissey fan to pick that top 10. But yeah, that, that, that had to go in there somewhere and it just so happened when I was whittling it down, it got in at number 9. 
So, um, why don't you find out for yourself, as of course, as we all know, from the album Vauxhall and I. The song, well, it was released on the 14th of March 1994. Um, the song itself was produced by Steve Lillywhite. Um, uh, yeah, it was recorded around, it was recorded in the summer 1993 um, and, and the song itself was released in 1994. The album itself, actually, the album itself uh, did much better in America um, than it did in Britain. I think it made, the, I think it made the top 20 in America. Uh, so it did rather than, um, it sold, just sold a lot better than it did here in Britain. It's of course um, one of the songs from Vauxhall and I that is written by Morrissey and Alan White. Um, and it's just an absolutely sublime piece of music in my opinion. I remember being really struck by it the first time I ever heard it and I, it, it kind of, it was a standout. It was one of those tracks that I thought, wow, that's, that's brilliant. Um, my favourite, I've selected my favourite line, um, don't rake up my mistakes, I know exactly what they are. So I think a lot of the, the research that I found was this this song, this particular song is about his career um, and is a bit about the music industry as well. So yeah, I don't quite know, some some people in some of the threads on the message boards, I was reading, you know, I'd, 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 it's a good song, but I don't like songs about the music industry, blah, blah, blah. I, I would never myself say, I mean, if I love it, I love it, and that's it, regardless of what it's about. It's about the music industry, his, his own take, his own sort of musings on it, and by 1994, he had been stabbed in the back um, quite a few times, let's face it. So... Yeah, don't rake up my mistakes. I know exactly what they are. It's just so. It's you don't. Nothing else needs to be said. It's it's fabulous. Just one one of the lines that makes you think. That's what that that song itself as a song that makes you think. After you hear it, you go, "Wow, I wonder what he was meaning by that." What do you think? So it's that's. In, in my opinion, good art, something that affects you and makes you think about it afterwards. And I remember the first time I heard that song, just, just having that feeling. It's got a very dreamy, airy sound, um, a capoed guitar. I remember trying to learn it on the guitar years ago. Capoed uh, guitar sound. But um, yeah, and then Moz just puts over like these killer lines over it and it's just oh my goodness i can't believe i said that 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 was not a segue into the next bullet point <laughs> which is uh, the killers covered that particular song and uh, I, i've never been interested in in the version of it I've, I've i've been to youtube i've put it on a few times i don't think i've ever actually got through no I don't think I've actually ever got through the full track. Um, and I'll tell you exactly why. Just, there's no feeling in it at all. There's no believability. It just, when when, Mar when Moz is singing it, and about being stabbed in the back, and it just, the feeling's there. You just believe every single word that he, that, that, that Morrissey's saying. <sighs> I know Brandon loves uh, Morrissey, and yeah, um... He's basically just singing the words. There's no real feeling in it. 
and yeah, so no, that's enough said about about that really because um, it is part of that very famous album Vauxhall and I. It's an absolute triumph. There is one other, maybe two, in my top ten from that particular album. It's just a brilliant album. Yeah, so that is number nine. Why don't you find out for yourself? understanding. So um, I did mention earlier on in the podcast that um, Going Home on the Morrissey Solo message boards had sent me some very useful links and uh, following on from the you section of episode one um, I'm going to discuss four different quotes that are on um, it's a blogspot um, mycuttings.blogspot.com and it's uh, a website called folkdevilgot.com uh, and it is um, malarkey actually has from the Morrissey Solo uh, message boards has compiled this um, and there's a lot of information on there particularly relating to the 1992 everything that started from the, uh, around about the 1992 era of um, the Finsbury Park gig which we covered in episode 1 and um, obviously everything that came with that with the Union Jack and uh, Morrissey's refusal to play the next day saying it was just far too dangerous um, and so on. So yeah, we, we something that we discussed in episode one, um, a friend and I in the interview was um, how particularly someone like Morrissey who says very ambiguous things a lot of the time very very easy to misquote and we'll take something out of context and of course that does happen all the time um but yeah what what, what was interesting was they compiled four different quotes this was the start of the list of them compiling four completely out of context quotes f f ranging from 1984 to 1985 so we're going all the way back to the absolute peak of the smiths here uh, the f so, so, so basically, um, the smokescreen was being created, uh, the list was there, they were actually starting to compile a list of how they were going to portray them and paint them in, in this way and they were going to have this evidence to, to back it up. So the first um, quote is, I'm not totally averse to violence, I think it's quite attractively necessary in some extremes. Violence on behalf of CND is absolutely necessary. Obviously, CND care about the people, and that's why they do what they do. That's patriotism. So, of course, 1984, um, the campaign for nuclear disarmament was 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 massive, um, and they've they've jumped on 
on this. Um, you know, he's not averse to violence, and 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 he's patriotic. They've they've, they've used that last bit of the quote there to say, right, well, <laughs> here we go, we've got the proof. The next quote again, I think it might have been in the actual same interview because it's December nineteen eighty four again. The common sense for the future is to try and preserve as much as we can from the past. So again, a statement like that, so many different people could read into that in so many different ways and you don't get the context, the nuance of what the conversation was. So yeah, that one again, very, very ambiguous. What is he trying to, what is he trying to say there? The next one is incredibly clear, a three-word quote from, it says, the NME questionnaire, which I don't know what that's all about, but this is February 1985, reggae is vile. So, yeah, quite cutting, um, <laughs> short statement there that says all it needs to be said, he does not like the genre of reggae. Last quote. Um, just from a month later, March 1985. Personally, I'm incurably peaceable character. I'm an incurably peaceable character, sorry. But where does it get you? Nowhere. You have to be violent. <laughs> Morrissey, March 1985. So, uh, yes. The last quote, or, or, or all four of them there, um, particularly the last one, and when he asks the question, where does it get you, you know? Um, I'm a very, very peaceful, gentle character, but where, where has that got me? It's got me absolutely nowhere. Um, Morrissey grew up in a part of Manchester and at a time when homosexual bashing um, and attacks on homosexuals on the street just randomly were, were very much a thing and it was a part of life. And that must have been absolutely terrifying. Um, and to think now in twenty well, this is twenty twenty four. Where how far it has come, and um, just in Morrissey's lifetime from the time when he was a teenager, but he is speaking through that lens. It's nineteen eighty five, and he's speaking through the lens of his experience of growing up in Manchester, um, and what that meant to him that obviously had an, a huge a massive effect on um, his outlook and his perspective on life but yeah um, so the smokescreen really was being created at that point they were gonna they were gonna use well you know by by they were gonna use by 1992 they were gonna use songs from your arsenal and, and all of these quotes from the years before you know, they were going to paint him as a nationalist, um, a fascist, you know, a right-wing. So if you were to take every line from the National Front Disco, or I suppose um, Asian Rut or Bengalian platforms, you could, when that's written down in black and white, um, be very easy to push a narrative one way or the other. So... Yeah, I, 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 someone that I do actually feel I, I do feel sorry for him for what he's had to put up with throughout his career, um, really in the media. Um, he does have a massive 
core fan base in Britain, well, all over the world, that that, that really do still believe in him and uh, believe in his music. So, yeah, that is our understanding section. episode is for Australia so Morrissey headed off uh, to do his 40 years of Morrissey tour I think it was a six or seven date tour um, Auckland, Perth, Melbourne, Sydney so on um, across Australia which he does um, he does go to Australia quite often um, I think the the whole concept the 40 years um tour was um, a good idea, I think it went down really well um, it's on social media, it sounds like a lot of the shows um, were very well received by the Australian fans the one the one story um, when I was uh, looking through different articles about it um, he got a very good write up in the Daily Mail um, about the Australian shows but no, he had. Um, they had commented that Morrissey had stopped one of his shows to complain um, about the way that his show had been advertised. I think it was the way that Perth had advertised the show, and actually that was the one that he ended up cancelling. Um, but um, they had, they had put it in their concert guide as um, the show. I suppose almost like the genre or the subgenre for the show was nostalgia. And um, I think that irked him a little bit. And basically, yeah, and, and you know how he talks to the fans in between the songs. That was something that came up. Um, and I think it, it, his take on it was, you know, they're just constantly trying to discourage me through one means or another. He did not like the, the nostalgia. <laughs> Monica that came with it. I mean, it's, they've, they've put nostalgia because it does say 40 does say 40 years next to it so you could see why someone maybe without thinking without thinking they were going to cause offence to the artist um has has put that in as as a category and it really has um it really has irked them but no i've watched some of the footage um some of the shows went down really well very well received and yeah, that was the end of Morrissey's year in Australia. Okay, L for lastly. Um, well done for making it to the end of episode two. Just a little um, edit would be for the interview section. Um, the, the interview is actually from 1984, not 1985, that I had earlier said. 
and it is not pop pickers, it is from a programme called Eight Days a Week. So that just clears that up there. Um, this is lastly where I give out um, contact details. We have a Mozcast Ritual Facebook page. Uh, the address for that is at Mozcast Ritual. That's at Mozcast Ritual. Please get in touch. I will uh, get back in touch with you straight away there. I'm going to play, um, just to play the podcast out, as um, in episode three, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to give out a WhatsApp group um, number, and I'm going to ask um, fans, people that listen to the podcast, or anyone that is um, involved in any any of the Morrissey stuff online, um, to just to send me voice clips, voice recordings of their earliest memories of Morrissey, or any kind of Morrissey memory that they want to put um, into a voice clip and send it to me. So, yeah, I'm going to play you out with this clip. This is uh, Gladioli Arcute. That is the um, the message board name. Um, and this is their memory of Morrissey. And thank you very much for listening. Hello. So the first time I ever encountered Morrissey or the Smiths was I remember being in my friend's house who lived around the corner and it was her and her brothers and sisters and I think her mum and dad were there and we were all watching Top of the Pops um, and Morris came on and I don't even know what song it was but he was dancing about with a flower hanging out his back pocket and then holding it and he had a white shirt open um, and everybody in the living room was falling about laughing and just like seeing how ridiculous it was and everything and I did laugh Secretly, I was thinking, that guy is so cool. Um, and I was dead interested in it. And then I don't remember like anything to do with the Smiths until I was in my friend's bedroom. And it was a Bengalian Platforms is a song that pure sticks out, which I've now been told is Viva Hay. So it wasn't actually the Smiths, it was Morrissey. But I do remember having a couple of Smiths albums. I think I had The Queen is Dead. And meet his murder is that the one when he's got a it's like a soldier in the front um and i had that and i really liked them it was around about that time i started liking like the smiths lloyd cole and the commotions um and uh, bands like that i really started to get into them um but the smiths is obviously a pure and morrissey at that time is a pure like album for teenage angst kind of wee indie people who probably didn't even know what indie was at that time. Um, so I always really admired his lyrics and I was quite like, I liked poetry and I liked kind of out there stuff very quietly because I was quite um, a wee geek. But um, yeah, that's my first kind of memories of of Morrissey or the Smiths. But I, it really stands out for me that that Top of the Pops um, I've, I would quite like to watch it again actually um, but it was a very striking image and I remember cooler older people like Morrissey and they liked the Smiths and there was like maybe people above me at school who had a quiff a Morrissey quiff and stuff I wasn't quite cool enough to know what the whole scene was all about but I, like, I dipped my toe in it and I did I did listen to the albums on my wee a record player. It was like a wee portable record player I had and it had like about five or six albums um, that you got in John Menzies. 
or I was doing Mendy's or you put them on your Christmas list. Um, so I had a few, a few of them, but I wasn't obviously cool enough to be part of the scene or to really know what it was all about. I was just like a wee person that that listened to them in their bedroom um, and sang along with the songs. And then I think I bought Smash Hits magazine, and Morrissey was always featured in it. And I remember you could get like the lyrics to the song and like listen to your album and and uh, read the lyrics in your magazine. So that's my first kind of memories. Mm-hmm. 